tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stichter, and other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey, Steeler Nation. This is John Jackson, and you're listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation. This is G Striker with the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. And today we are honored to have a special guest co-host today, Steeler alumni, starting tackle in Super Bowl 30, John Jackson. John, how are you today? Gee, I'm doing great. Thanks for having <laughs> me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, it's an absolute pr- pleasure. And you have your own podcast as well. Please tell Steeler Nation what your podcast is and what it's all about. It's called the Offline Podcast. And what it is is about me talking to uh, former players in different sports and mm-hmm. just having a conversation. And it's um, it's been going well. And um, really been enjoying it. Great. And then do you talk, do you say, you said other sports. So what sports do you focus on? Because you think if it's called offline, I think it would be relating to your lineman position that you were and maybe be lineman focused. No, I mean, it's, it's kind of like um, we've talked to baseball players, basketball players. um, And we're just, you know, we're opening up to all the sports. Um, You know, I'm an offensive lineman. So I, I kind of want to be all over the board. (laughs) <laughs> that's perfect that's for and you're a lover of sports and i'm a lover of sports and even though i'm passionate and crazy about the steelers i still love my hockey i still love my my baseball my basketball so i, I do have a well-rounded appetite for sports as well <laughs> so mm-hmm. great oh, yeah. podcast to be a part of their steeler nation make sure to keep an eye out for that also wanted to let steeler nation know please check out our sponsor here at total sports enterprises i'm going to show you a picture Today, usually we have this going out through Twitter, which our Twitter guy handles know, which our Twitter Steeler Nation knows. But this time we're doing it through Instagram. It's an autographed Juju Smith-Schuster signed Color Rush jersey. Jump on to Total Sports Enterprises Instagram. That's at Total Sports Enterprises. And all you need to do is tag five friends. Make sure you're following Total Sports Enterprises. Make sure you're following SteelerNation.com and also Steeler Nation Podcast. And you are entered to win a free Juju Smith-Schuster signed jersey. And we're giving that out tomorrow. And But one thing we are giving out today, Twitter, this is for you guys too, dc4lcustomtees.com. That is at dc4lcustomtees. We are giving away a free Corvette Corvette Juju dancing t-shirt today ask some questions the question that we like here at the end of the show is going to get a free t-shirt on twitterverse so good luck to you guys there at steeler nation on twitter and we had a fortunate occurrence this past week here john steelers finally figured out how to win a game again yeah (laughs) they did and now they are the champions of the afc north so you watched the game i imagine how did you feel I felt pretty good. I didn't feel too good at the, um, the first half, but they came back pretty strong the second half. But they're still lacking in the, in the running game, and they've got to get that running game um, back in order. They really do. I mean, and, and you can see, I mean, you being an offensive lineman, you're a part of a lot of excellent, excellent rushing offenses that the Steelers had. I mean, that was that was our identity as the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the fans' identity. So now – 
the running game, it seems like it's not even with running the football. It's trying to set up these short passes, which are still ball control, a ball control offense, just in a different way. Right. And I, I think that gets you in trouble, G, because yeah. it's one of those things where you become one dimensional and yeah. the Steelers have become one dimensional. And it's, it's a lot easier to um, go with the defense and make sure that you, you can, you know, concentrate on one thing. And that's what they're doing. And that's I mean, you look at the Cincinnati game, Cincinnati yeah. just slapped them right in the mouth and just kept slapping yes. them. Yeah, they did. And you're right. that, And that's what teams want to do from a defensive standpoint is make the other team one dimensional then you can pin your ears back you can rush the pass or um i know ben getting the ball out of his hands relatively quickly within two 2.2 seconds 2.3 seconds i think is his average mm-hmm. uh, leading the league i know that helps with the pass rush um that helps with at least the ability to keep the keep the clock moving if he can get it out of his hands quickly but just these statistics i mean that we're looking at right now i mean 20 total yards on offense uh, yeah. I think this is only the second time in Steelers history that they've won the game rushing the ball with 20 yards or less. And the last time, oddly enough, John, I don't even know if you, this might be before your time now. <laughs> the It was also against the Colts, but they happened to be in Baltimore at the time, and it was the 1957 Colts. So that yeah, was. Yeah, that's still before my time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't even think you were born by then. <laughs> no. So, but that is the last time the Steelers have only gotten 20 yards rushing and still won a game, which is amazing. So, James Conner, I mean, he still was able to put up some yardage. He ended up doing it more so in the passing game. He had mm-hmm. 45 yards to go with his 25 yards rushing for, you know, a balance of at least 65 yards and still did end up with that touchdown rushing uh, as well. But, as you're seeing it, you being an offensive lineman, you knowing the Pittsburgh Steelers team, is there something schematically that is the problem with the way that the Steelers are designing their plays? Is it the play of the offensive line or does it happen to be that the way the defenses now are scheming us? Well, I, I think it's just that um, the Steelers really haven't bought into running a ball. Yeah. I mean, they want that quick pass. I mean, you look at what they were doing on, on um, third down efficiency. I mean, they were four for 11. Yeah. That's yeah. for a Steeler team. That's exactly. unheard of. Yeah. I mean, but they've got this week is a big week for them because they've got to commit to the run um, and get that thing fixed. And I think they can get it fixed. Yeah. But at least in this respect, Ben did come back in the second half. He, he looked like he was starting to target farther down the field as opposed to more of the eight yards and in that we were trying in the first half took a couple mm-hmm. deep shots one to uh claypool one to juju um one to dj of course as well and then got a couple pass interference calls too which helped them get some chunk plays and pick up some yardage but he had 49 pass attempts ended up with 342 yards three touchdowns and fortunately no interceptions in the in the first half it looked like he could have had a couple yeah i mean if, if you throw the ball almost 50 times as an offensive lineman yeah it, it's a long day Wow. Uh, an offensive lineman wants to run the ball. Yeah. You know, point blank. And you start getting over that, that 40 threshold and close to 50. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're going to be one tired offensive lineman. Because you're walking backwards then at the snap as opposed to walking forwards, right? Correct. Yeah, Correct. So- and you have less control of the game. You control the game by running the ball. Yeah. So, and I think that's what they're, they've been lacking in like these last three games. Yeah. Um, Juju still ended up with a good game. He had nine catches for 96 yards, a touchdown, and now his eighth touchdown of the season, which is a career high for him. So kudos to him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Deontay Johnson had another good game with eight catches and 75 yards and a touchdown. And of course, like Eric Ebron, that was an interesting pickup in the off season as well, because it seems like the Steelers have always tried to get that one guy or that one tight end um, in the off season. And it hasn't always worked out, whether it's Ramirezma um or whether it's um oh gosh i forgot green uh, they got ladarius green that tried to get, try to get in the one other year but this time it looks like they finally found their pass catching tight end yeah and they do but they need a blocking tight end they do they He's need not- a blocking tight end I mean, it's always going back to the run and if you could set that up i mean just like you know if you look at the game they really had a hard time with play action they couldn't do play action because they yeah. didn't run the ball yeah and when you don't run the ball well it's it's tough to do play action so I guess this one came down to more so turnovers than anything else, John. I mean, it seemed like the Steelers were able to get 
uh, the interception and the fumble and, 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 you know, they were plus three, I think to fortunately not giving up a turnover where they gave up a few of these last couple games, mm-hmm. which tends to be the biggest difference in winning and losing. It seems like for these football games. Yeah, it is. But you know, the Steelers defense all year have been playing really good. I mean, you look at Hayward and you look at Watts. I mean, those guys are, I mean, that's defense. And then yeah. you've got uh, a great secondary back there. So it's one of those things where you don't want to play them that long. Mm-hmm. If they can go in there and do some three and outs, they're more fresher, but they're a better team. Yeah, they are. And fortunately, you were talking about the defense. I mean, the defense put again put together a strong approach, especially in the second half when they were letting up some plays in the first kind of really locked it down, only let up the field goal uh, early in the third quarter. And from then on, they shut him out in the, the rest of the game. You had Watt leading the way again with two sacks. Um, you have Avery Williamson actually adding a sack and Hayward and two at each with sacks, six total mm-hmm. TFLs. So now that's a sack in 72 straight games, which is extending their NFL record from three years ago. We just talked about this. And uh, do you happen to know who had their first sack when this started three years ago? No, it's a, it's a player that we at least know. It was actually um, a James Harrison started it with two sacks, the first two sacks on this run. So it was, really? uh, so yeah. So now we're all the way up through and uh, two, it's extending it as well as the rest of the teams. And this team now is over 50 sacks on the season. So this is the second time it's happened where a team has gone four seasons in a row with 50 plus sacks. The last time was in your generation against at that time, the 85 to 88 New York Giants. Wow. And that team obviously had a, had a great pass rush attack as well. But it's, it's amazing that it's been that long since that streak is, uh, has been able to come up. And with the way that this defense is set up, who's to say it can't happen again next year? No. I mean, I think these guys are going to be around for a while. And hopefully they can re-sign Watt in the offseason and yeah. make sure that oh, you know, yeah. he's there. Because he's a big part of the Steelers' defense. He really is. And plus he's just so disruptive. He's not only is he getting sacked, he forced the fumble there on the sack, um, the sack strip, the fast, the forced fumble there, which was a big mm-hmm. game changing moment in the first half, which was able to get our only score there in the first half on the short field. But those are so important And the way he's playing too. I don't know. I mean, I'm not as objective being all into the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know you're probably more objective than I am liking all of sports and having a broadcast career, but to me, I don't see anyone really close to what TJ Watt is doing this season. I mean, he's leading the league in tackles. He's leading the league in quarterback hits. He's leading the league in tackles for loss. And right. to me, I think he's the runaway choice for defensive player of the year. I don't know your yeah. opinion on that. No, I think he is. I mean, you look at him week in, week out, and, you know, he, he, he appears in front of uh, nowhere. But yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he's doing a really good job with the um, uh, pass coverage as well, which people don't um, really think about him covering. I mean, he does a great job there. All facets of his game are up here when everybody else is down here. So, I mean, he he deserves at least to be in that talk about MVP. And let's just see um, what happens, you know, in these next couple of games, especially in the playoffs. Indeed. And, Coach Tomlin just said a little bit earlier in his press conference when to describe TJ Watt and what he does, he literally said TJ Watt is from another planet. This guy is just his, his preparation and his attention to detail and his work ethic and everything combined is just unreal. And and that all combined is making him the player that he is today. So big words also from coach Tomlin. And I I take it from you. I mean, I know you played for the Steelers. Are they still the team that you really follow then here in the off season? Yeah, I mean, I retired as a Steeler. Yeah. So um, that's really the only team I, I really follow. Um, mm-hmm. I'll watch other games. I'll watch other games, but my, my heart's in, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. And I know you're a big guy too. So it, for me, it's interesting to see such a little guy on the field making big plays. And that's the five nine Mike Hilton, who is one of my favorite plays. He's closer to my size than your size. And, uh, but just to be out there, still, he picked it. He got an interception, two passes, defense, and a fumble recovery. The guy's just always around there. And he's usually the one splitting the two defenders on a screen to make a tackle on these, uh, on these wide receiver bubble screens on the outside. Right. I mean, he's uh, a hell of an athlete, but I think his intensity yeah. makes him, makes him six, two. 
So it really does. <laughs> it's one of those things where those are the kind of guys on um, defense that you want in that secondary. Yeah. That are not afraid to come up and make those tackles, are not afraid to um, get interceptions. And even rushing the passer, he's not afraid of running between two guys your size. And mm-hmm. that's just the amazing thing and how he times his blitzes as well. He's just really a joy to watch. Um, and I, I at least wanted to give some kudos as well to Avery Williamson. We picked him up, you know, five, six weeks ago from the Jets, and he put together his best game of the season for both teams, 14 total tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss. These are his first two tackles for a loss on the season. And now he's up over 100 uh, tackles on the season, which is great because he had to switch teams and really kind of take two, three games off there just to kind of learn our system. But, man, is he playing at a high level now when the Steelers really needed it with all those injuries at middle linebacker. Right. And that was a great pickup because of the, uh, the injury bug that uh, hit the Steelers. But it's one of those things where he, he's come in and he's really bought into the Steeler way mm-hmm. um, with the system and in the locker room. Um, it's one of those things that you hope that when, when you get a guy, you know, especially late in the season, that he's um, that he can step up and he's been stepping up. Man. And now the Steelers defense has 65 total takeaways since 2019, which is number one in the NFL. And this season, they now have 11 games with multiple turnovers. So that also leads the league. So, I mean, it, it's, it seems like the past two years, the Steelers have been starting to get more and more turnovers. Now, is this a, a difference in the, the scheme, in your opinion, or has this happened to be the Steelers drafting quicker, faster playmakers to be able to go out and get these balls? Well, I think the, the, all the guys on defense have bought into the system, especially the defensive linemen, and with their great pass rush they put on. Yeah. I mean, if you got if you feel that pressure as a quarterback, sometimes you get that rid of that ball a little too soon, or you're scrambling around and you get away a little too late. Yeah. So, and it makes those secondary guys' job a lot easier than just you know covering guys um, off off the fly. But I think it's um, it's a combination of, of both. Um, the secondary and the defensive um, secondary working together and you see the end result. And now what we like to do at this point of the the podcast is we like to give game balls. Usually we give out one on offense and one on defense and I'll start on giving out a game ball on offense. If you want to join me as well, like for me, Mm -hmm. the game ball on offense, the past this past game, I think I have to give it to Deontay Johnson, just kind of setting that tone early diving and being laid out completely on that first deep touchdown, which is something I haven't seen a steel receiver really do is like leave their feet and go horizontal uh, for a, a deep touchdown catch in a long time. I mean, with the, Mike, Mike Wallace used to do it a lot. Lewis lips used to do it a lot. Um, but, it, but for me, that's, that would be my player of the game on offense. Do you have a, a game ball to give to? Um, Mons would be to the, uh, the defensive line, um, awesome. Awesome. the pass rush they put on Yes, and the way they, um, carried that second half. The yeah. first half was a little shaky, but I think they really, um, firmed it up. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you look at those, um, turnovers in the second half. I mean, that was a big, that's a big change from the it first is. half. It really is. Injury wise. The Steelers are looking good though. This week, they had a couple guys sitting out the game last week and that was Marcus Allen with the stinger in his neck. Ola Adenii with his shoulder. And of course, Chris Boswell missed the game with a groin. Anthony McFarland was also held out with an illness. Uh, we're sure it's precautionary because it happened mm-hmm. so late in the week. Wanted to make sure it's not COVID because you don't want to have anybody getting sick this time of year heading into the playoffs. And the only other person I saw banged up was Deontay Johnson. It looked like he tweaked his ankle a little bit in the game, but he was able to come back and finish. So going into this next game, it looks like relatively the Steelers are going to be looking good. They've got a chance for Matt Filer to also come back from injured reserve. They also have a chance for Robert Spillane to come back from injured reserve the way the timing works out. Now, I don't know if they will, because the Steelers now have to figure out, I guess, if they're going to be resting players, who they can rest, and what makes the most sense. And the only player that the Steelers said that they are definitely going to rest is, is Big Ben, and he's not playing this week. It's going to be Mason Rudolph starting. So is there any players that you would like to see get a little bit of a needed rest or with whether or not they get held out completely, but at least drop down their snap count to the point where they're going to be nice and ready going in for the playoffs. Right. Um, I think that's a good move with Ben. 
Yeah. I think you on defense, um, Watt and Hayward, you want to limit their snap counts, but you still want to get that intensity because um, late in the season, you don't want to lose that. And yeah. going into especially the playoffs, you, you want that um, that extra edge that they got right now mm-hmm. to stay with them. And those will be the only guys, and the rest of them. Um, but I would I would think that they would want to um, get that running game in order, and that's a, a yeah. big thing. And I would tell them it's like, listen, guys, look at the offensive line. We're going to run the ball today. And we got a young quarterback. We're going to take some pressure off him. Yeah. But we need to get some things fixed and get them fixed in a hurry and, and go from there. And I think it's possible, too, with the running game there, John, because you had in the first five weeks of the season, I think they had 300-yard rushers with, uh, I think, Connor had two and Snell had one. Mm-hmm. So they have the potential and the ability to do so. Um, I know they've been banged up and you've got some guys playing hurt. DeCastro came back a little bit later on because he, he was a little banged up earlier when the, when the season first started. And uh, But Kevin Dotson look, looks like he is a, a keeper. I mean, you're right. an offensive lineman. Uh, what do you think then personally, and, and how would you grade the offensive line? You can start off with Dotson, of course, but I'd just like your input in general about the offensive line and specifically the starters. Um, I think overall right now, um, Pass protection, I'd give them a um, a B plus. Mm-hmm. But as far as the running game, I, I'd give them a D. Yeah, I'd give them a D. And you know, late in the season, um, in order to be a really good team, you've got to run the ball. Yeah, I mean, you've got to take some pressure off the quarterback, but you also got to establish that line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and make it easier for you. I and mean, it's a lot easier when you're banging on those guys. Yeah, and all of a sudden they start pass rushing. Um, they, they tend to slow up a little bit when you keep falling on, on the run. Yeah. So and, it's a big difference. And you're right, because when you establish and you own that line of scrimmage, it turns those third and one plays into 75, 80%. You're getting those first downs. And right now Steelers are a little bit underneath a 50% on turning those third and ones and fourth and ones into first downs. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's disconcerting to watch as a Steeler fan, I know it's got to be frustrating to you to watch as a lineman because I'm, I'm sure you're watching things. And you're like, well, why did why didn't you do it this way? Or you could have, you know, hit the guy on this side or, or done this specifically. So what's it like to watch from a lineman perspective? Well, that's the only thing I really watch is offensive line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could care less about awesome. what's going on back in the yeah oh, back awesome. in the secondary. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things because I know what they need to do. Yeah. And to me. Um, uh, the things that really stand out to me is, you know, they're, they're too high. I mean, especially on the runs, that's why they're getting pushed back Yeah, because it's always a low, um, the low man wins. And you look at um, the series, I mean, the, the, the back is getting hit a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's yeah. consistent. That's not good. Yeah. And especially, and, they're, yeah, they're trying to run to the outside. It seems like they called the play and they know what's going on and everybody's in the backfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, they can get that fixed. And it's just a matter of um, setting your will as far as um, attitude adjustment. And that's, that's gotta be this week because Cleveland's a good team and they've got a good defense. Yeah. And if you don't control that run, they're going to pop you in the mouth a few times. Yes. So you, you, you better be, you better, uh, we always say you better buckle up <laughs> and be ready because it, it's going to be a dog fight this week. And right now I'd say that the matchup between Cleveland and Pittsburgh there's a lot of bad blood there now and it had been in the previous years it seemed like the Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals kind of had the bad blood within the division with Vontez Perfect and Pac-Man Jones mm-hmm. um, and the, the style of hitting the big hitting and maybe hitting after the play or locations where they shouldn't but seemed like they were more interested to injure at time than as opposed to playing the game but it seems like that kind of picks up and now is starting to happen with these Cleveland matchups uh, I know that they have a ton of talent on defense. They've got some excellent pass rushers, got excellent youth. Um, and we know that this is going to be a good team for years to come. So right. it's it's nice to know that we're going to have a, a good, it looks like a good sustained rivalry now for the foreseeable future when we've been used to, you know, not really seeing anything from them for the past two decades. Right. And that that's because they've really got um, the coaching staff together, but that new owner who came in, yeah, um, he's done a great job as far as getting the personnel in there mm-hmm. and the players have bought into it. 
And you look, um, I was looking at a game, uh, I think a couple weeks ago with the Browns, and normally they would just shut it down. They were actually trying to win the game. And I was like, okay, this is not the old Cleveland Browns. I mean, these guys are hungry and they want to win. So it always takes that um, little momentum as far as winning. Mm -hmm. It it gives you a new attitude and they've got a new attitude. But um, this week, um, I hope they kind of lose that attitude (laughs) and and go from there. (laughs) Well, at least the good point, I mean, one other thing I can remember in late 80s teams, I mean, Cleveland was the powerhouse of that division. I mean, yeah. they were a great, great team. And aside from a, a late turnover there in the playoffs, they were, they were probably going to those Super Bowls that uh, the Denver Broncos ended up going to. Um, but it, but it was, it's just been such a – as a Steeler fan, I was used to hating the Browns first. They were the closest. Mm-hmm. We played them all the time. They were always competitive. We hated them, and it didn't seem like they ever got their swagger back once they became an expansion team. And now they're – you know, like we kind of rolled with the Ravens because the Ravens kept all the personnel – they kept getting better and then obviously then started winning some Super Bowls as well. So it's, it's nice to see some, some rivalry back from that line for, for, from that perspective, at least to see. So with the Steelers resting Ben Roethlisberger, I ideally, and I think you made a great point in stating they should attack the run and really try to establish to run to give some pressure off of Mason Rudolph. I would also like to see Josh Dobbs hopefully be working in on a couple packages to see if they go to maybe an RPO package or something with him. Mm-hmm. Just because I know that's Matt Canada's forte coming in from Maryland and in the college ranks. He's used to seeing those types of aspects. And it's also, since that's also Josh's job, it seems like in for the scout teams and when we're getting ready for those mobile quarterbacks and Lamar Jackson, he's the one out there running those teams to say, Hey, this is what it looks like. I mean, I, I think you, you definitely got to um, sprinkle some of those in, yeah. but you've got to sprinkle them in because you've got to give some other teams something to really think about. Okay. What if this guy comes in and you can go from there. And plus um, he deserves some time. Um, he's done a great job. Like you said, on the scout team, you know what, put him on the field and let's see what he can do. I mean, it's, it's a futures thing. So, and you also have some experience, you know, pass blocking for both, you know, pocket passers and four mobile quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. how different is your approach when you are going to be pass blocking for a mobile quarterback? It, it's a little different. Um, a pocket quarterback, the guy can't run. That's why he's a pocket quarterback. <laughs> you know, he's there, you know, where he's going. Yeah, you know exactly where he's going to be a mobile quarterback. You can get away with it. I mean, I remember when Cordell was playing. Yeah. We were always told never to hold. And we were like, don't hold. Yeah. Cordell will get away from him. So don't, he, we don't want to take the holding call. Yeah. So just let him run and yeah. they want him to run. Mm. But with a pocket quarterback, you know, you, you've got a hole because he, he can't run. That's, that's a big difference. And that's interesting. You mentioned Cordell Stewart, obviously he was an incredibly athletic quarterback and one of these, you know, which it seems like nowadays with these athletic quarterbacks, they're setting up the offense to really cater to their skills when it seemed like at the time when Cordell was quarterback, his first year starting, they kind of let him do that. But the second year, it seemed like they tried to put him more into a pocket passer perspective, trying to get back, go through his reads and throw the football. Mm-hmm. Um, how difficult is that for a mobile quarterback to kind of, you know, have to become something they, they're not a, and is it just a better approach to kind of change the offense to fit your, the abilities of your quarterback? Well, I think it's, it's, it's really tough um, from a perspective that you're at, first you're an athlete more yeah. so than a quarterback mm-hmm. and on court about Cordell, I know it was a lot tougher because those reads had to be really quick. Yeah. And when you're um, a mobile quarterback and you're on the run, you can see the field gets a lot bigger. Yeah. And as a pocket quarterback, it's like tunnel vision. It's like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little different, but, um, I think he did a great job for what they asked him to do. And that's, that's what you have to do as, as a professional. Whatever they ask you to do, that's what you do. Yeah, and he put together some great seasons, some great Pro Bowl years as well, and had some great mm-hmm. chances as well with right. those teams. And the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world for more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Seeing you getting into going to play Super Bowl 30 was just a dream for a Steeler fan because it had been so long since we'd been to a Super Bowl. That was our first Super Bowl. So what was it like for that whole experience? Where was that Super Bowl played? How did that, you know, that media week work out for you? And just what was it like from your perspective? Um, we, we played it in Arizona. Um, it was it was amazing. Um, all the different people that would um, come out of the woodwork as far as press. Yeah. Um, yeah. Met a lot of different press people and doing a lot of interviews yeah. and just, they wanted to get to, to know the guys. And it was about, um, you know, they really hadn't seen these guys or us, I would say. I mean, Dallas had been in the Super Bowl previous. Yes. It was yeah. one of those things where they really got to know who Pittsburgh Steelers were doing that week. I mean, it was a two week layoff. And to me, it was a long week. <laughs> I mean, we practice, we practice, we practice. Instead of just, you know, let's go get this game on. Let's go get this game on. It probably was the longest two weeks I've ever had. Um, to get ready for one game. Oh, wow. But it was a great experience. I mean, great experience. I mean, that was my eighth year in the league. Yeah. And um, it's one of those things where um, I tell people uh, I was fortunate enough to go, but I know a lot of people who played for 13, 14 years and have never experienced that. And that's, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. And um, one of the stories from that season, which I just thought was, you know, it's something that's never happened since. And that was when, you know, Rod Woodson went down with the ACL injury in week one, trying to tackle Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. but he was able to come back and it wasn't put on IR because back then when you're on IR, you were done, you were done. Right. For the season. And uh, coach Cower said, we're going to leave a spot for him here. And he was able to come back and he was able not only to play in the Super Bowl, but to make a play in the Super Bowl. And what was it like then just, how, what was it like for the team reaction? I would say for him to be able to get back for the Super Bowl to play and make a play then in the Super Bowl. Well, we, we knew that um, Rob had, I mean, Woodson had a great spirit. Um, he loved to compete, um, tremendous athlete, but he was pretty much the, um, the heart of the secondary. Yeah. So you had to keep him, you know, with the team and make sure you didn't lose that momentum because um, if you look back the, the previous year, we were pretty good the previous year. Yes. And oh, no. it was one of those things where you want to keep everybody intact. Yeah. And you knew that they could do the surgery early mm-hmm. and him being a sprinter, he knew his body and he knew if he could come back or not. And that was the biggest thing. 
but he came back. It's, it's insane. He came back in four months. This is usually a nine month injury for most people. So that was just absolutely incredible at the time to see something, I guess, technically five because he had the extra month for the playoffs too, but it was just, mm-hmm. it's something that I don't think would ever occur again. I mean, if, if somebody got an ACL injury, got surgery, they'd be done for the year. And to me, it was just, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe watching that and having that um, transpose and also, you know, switching Lake who, who happened to be a, a strong safety at the time. And then we're the Steelers were losing a few games and then end up sliding Lake to that cornerback position where Rod used to play. And then all of a sudden it clicked and it didn't seem like you guys lost a game for the rest of the year. To, <laughs> so it was a really nice, right. nice change. And, it, and I guess that really helped out the defense with that change. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of those guys, um, back there were, were pretty smart guys and they were interchangeable. So um, you could use them in different um, positions and different facets of the defense. I mean, you remember Cornell, Cornell, um, he used to blitz a lot, which people uh, tell people when, yeah. when you see him, he's up there for a reason. He's not, up there, he's not up there to take tickets and say hello. He <laughs> looks like the quarterback. Oh, that is better block him. <laughs> And talking about blitz and the quarterback, I mean, you had those those uh, outside linebackers and Lloyd and Kevin Green, too. And we were really sorry and surprised and shocked to hear the passing of Kevin Green this past week um, as well. But there was such a so for for Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd, do you have any stories that really kind of encapsulate what they were as football players? Well, I think they were real competitors and I think they um when I was there watching them, they fed off each other. Yeah. And it was no um, animosity. It's like, okay, you're getting all the limelight. So if yeah. I want the limelight, I just got to go with a sack or make a big play. And if I do that, I'm in the limelight. But, you know, they would always um, talk to us and they were like, you know what, we're just going to let our, um, our play speak for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a tragic story that Kevin passed away. And I actually have on my podcast. Uh, you had, how month, long ago? About a month ago. Really? Yeah. And wow. he was in great spirits and great shape. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely um, asked everybody to check it out. But it was a great interview. I had oh. a great time with him. I mean, he was he was Kevin. Yeah. Um, and we, we told some stories. And um, one of the stories I told was uh, he was a Jeopardy fan. He loved Jeopardy. <laughs> and, I, I would, and I would tell people that and they'd look at me like, let me get this straight. Kevin Green, who beats the crap out of you, loves Jeopardy. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, the guy loves Jeopardy. Uh-huh. I'd walk by his room yeah. and I go, okay, what's up? You ready? He's like, no, nah, just come on in. And I'm like, watching Jeopardy. Okay. So I would always go by and we'd sit there watching Jeopardy. <laughs> and <it was> like, <laughs> you know, and we're thinking, man, we're we should have took school a little more serious because we don't, we have no clue what those answer those questions are. <laughs> <laughs> and was he good at answering the questions in Jeopardy? Was he a trivia head? Yeah, he was good. He oh, was that's good. something else. And, and he just enjoyed watching it. Yeah. And, you know, things like that. And we reflected on that and we just had a really good time um, right. about, you know, who he was as a person and what he enjoyed about the Steelers. Awesome. I mean, just, I mean, great. I mean, I had a great time with the interview, yeah. but it was more like reminiscing. Yeah. And Hanging out did, with an old friend. Yeah. And we did one thing. I had one bone to pick with him uh-huh. and it was about, um, he had won the, um, the sack, he was a sack leader. Um, one year, actually, um, he was a sack leader. We're going to the playoffs and we played San Diego. Yeah. So he came up to me um, before the game and he goes, John, I need a big favor. And I was like, I'm thinking, it's before the game. I'm like, what, what can I do? And he goes, well, I, I need you to shut Leslie O'Neill down today. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, he goes, I, I, I need it. I need it. I said, I got you. And <laughs> so I had to change my mindset. Yeah. So I go out there and I'm playing and I'm playing like it's a playoff game. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to make sure that Kevin Green wins a sack, you know, wins a sack title. Yeah. So me and Leslie Neal, we're going through it. And he's like, why are you playing so hard? You guys are already in the playoffs. I said, um, I got to shut you down today because Kevin wants to win the, um, he wants to win the sack title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. And you should have seen his face. His face is like, 
And he's like, what, what is he giving? I said, I don't know. He just asked me for a favor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a great story. Awesome. So I shut it down. Yeah. Kevin goes, um, like the next week, mm-hmm. Kevin brings in, bought up Don Perignon. Yeah. And he brings a case. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get a case of Don Perignon. <laughs> so Kevin proceeds to give every offensive lineman who oh. played in that game a bottle of Don P. Nice. I was the last person to get the bottle. And oh. I looked at Kevin, I go, Kevin, what's up with giving everybody else? I said, nobody else blocked him except me. <laughs> and he goes, aren't you a team player? I'm like, yeah, I'm a team player. And I told him, I said, Kevin, I, I was hurt that, you know, I didn't get the first bottle. I got uh-huh. the last bottle. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm, I'm sorry that your painters are in a bunch. <laughs> he yeah. said, and he goes next time i will give you i will i'll come to you first i'll come to you first he says i'm sorry so see he should have just he should have just played it on the fly and say i was saving the best for last he should have but <laughs> i was, was like, i was kind of i was kind of hurt i was taken yeah. back i was like wait a minute if i'm the only guy blocking this guy <laughs> and i'm pretty sure you had some incentives in there yeah <laughs> so, oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. So track wise, it, was, it was all good. It was all good. I mean, he asked me for a favor and I was like, I had to step my game up and I'll never forget that because every time I see um, Leslie O'Neill, he's like, John, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm like, dude, I had to do Kevin asked me for a favor. So I had to take care of, I had to take care of my teammate. And I did. Well, well, I still hope you enjoyed that bottle of Dom. That's still a, a nice thing. To, to you know what? I never, I don't drink champagne. I didn't drink. Wow. I didn't drink. I gave it away. Okay. <laughs> Even better. Even better. So now we're at the point of the podcast where we take questions from Steeler Nation. And most of the questions come from the Steeler Nation forum. I'm going to be pulling a couple here off of Twitter pulling a couple here off of uh, Facebook as well as we're going live. And mm-hmm. the first one, uh, Slash Steel from over there at SteelerNation.com asks, um, first, I think you were underrated as a Steeler. Thank you for your time in Pittsburgh. How was it like blocking for Barry Foster? And are there any noteworthy stories to tell about Barry or the running game in general? Yeah. Um, first of all, I don't think I was underrated because um, <laughs> Not as, a- as a player, as a player, um, I got more confirmation from other players. Yes. And to me, that's what we play the game for, believe it or not. I mean, yeah, we play it for the fans, but when a, um, a defensive guy acknowledges you, yeah, it, it makes the world a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was my um, like justification that, you know what, you're good enough. You're good sure. enough. But Barry Foster, uh, we enjoyed blocking for Barry because um, when Barry came in, that was when we first established that we were a running team. Yeah. And we had, like I said, if you're an offensive lineman, if you've got choices between running the ball and passing the ball, you're going to pick running the ball because <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah. And, you know, as far as mistakes, I mean, you make one mistake and the guys buy you. Mm-hmm. You make one mistake in the running, you just lay on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a difference. Yeah. yeah. It's a big difference. And I remember one of the seasons – Barry Foster was up there for the rushing title. Mm-hmm. And I think lost out to Emmett Smith by like a yard or two right. yards. In the, in the last game. In the last game. And it and I think it was that, that was also at the point where Dallas had made the playoffs. They really didn't have anything to play for, but they threw Barry in to try to get his yardage. Cause I think that game occurred after Barry's Barry Foster's game. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, what did it feel like at least to be able to be part of that chasing that rushing title? Cause you got to take a lot of pride as being that offensive line chasing a rushing title for your, for your running back. No, we, we took a lot of pride in it because it yeah. was, um, it was one of those things where we were not going to be acknowledged for it, but we knew down deep in our heart that, you know, we did a pretty good job. You know, when a guy uh, wins a rushing title, mm-hmm. it's a big thing. I mean, uh, with Barry, we came a little short, but, that was not on. That was on our off fault. That was just because if if you played those two games at the same time instead yeah. of the game later, I think Barry wins a rushing title. Yeah, I mean, he run. Um, we blocked. I blocked for a good offense. We were on, was on a good offense line with um, uh, Jerome Bettis, who won that rushing title, and that that meant a lot. He he won it a couple times when, when he was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> that's so, great. Oh, that yeah. is great. And that's so. Was there any difference then between? 
blocking for somebody like uh, you know Barry Foster as opposed to blocking for Bettis? Um, not really. You just wanted to make sure that you had the hole open because yeah. you know they were they were going to come through, and you didn't want to you didn't want to stick anything out there because they were just going to run it over. <laughs> <laughs> so they were hitting that hole hard, is what you're saying? They were hitting that hole hard. If you, like on offensive linemen, we know where the holes are. Yeah, and our our job is to make the hole and to get out of the hole, mm. which you see some guys they they, they kind of get a little lackadaisical as far as being in that hole. Yeah, but that's where that running back's going, and, and you better get out of that hole. And I had um, on the podcast I had um, Jerome Bettis, and I thanked him nice. for not running up my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he was like, "Yeah, you, you knew how to get out of the way. Yeah, I knew how to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's you, you just, as just as important. See, that's not something you hear from an offensive lineman because your job is to be in the way." for the most mm-hmm. part, but then you got to learn how to get out of the way. So that's a really, really interesting point. I love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. We got another question here from Hoot and he asked, what was the transition from Chuck Knoll to coach Cower like? Um, I'll give you a great example. Old great. school versus new school. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck was hard nose. Um, and we pretty much, we couldn't wait for the game because practice was so hard. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when Kara came, he, he kind of instilled it. It's like, you know what, guys, we're not playing the Steelers this week. We're playing another team. So let's, you know, yeah. let's be a little more conscious of what we're doing. But don't leave it all on the practice field and you got nothing. And it was one of those things where we had to get used to practicing at a, uh, a certain tempo. Uh-huh. And... I think it, it, it saved us, um, especially when you get banged up. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where um, it makes you, it makes you um, ready, more ready for the game. I mean, it was hard when yeah. I was, um, when I was with Chuck Noll. If you got dinged up in practice, you, you, you were pretty much dinged up for the week. So oh. it's tough. And, and that's also, I mean, it seems like now if anybody gets dinged up, you're done practicing until you get to the game. Um, the way that the approach is now, but it's, so you're saying that Chuck Noll would say, if you're dinged up, you still got to keep practice and work through it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's it was, it was no, I mean, I saw more, I always tell people, I saw more guys get hurt on Friday's practice than in the game. Wow. <laughs> that is, and, and that's different too, because I know when Chuck started off, they, he was, you know, coaching in 14 game season. So that's a big difference than when you extend the league by two extra weeks and you're playing 16 game seasons and, Mm-hmm. the buys are all over the place back when you guys were playing. Sometimes they're week four, sometimes they're week 12. It's, it's, it's there's never every, any kind of like really a semblance of when these buys were going to show up. Oh, um, it, it was crazy. I mean, yeah. um, a couple seasons, we had a two week, we had two week. Two, yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. It was insane. Yeah. <laughs> we, we figured the season was long enough. Yeah. And unfortunately, as you said, unfortunately, but unfortunately we, we got that with Chuck Noll. Yeah. And we were like, oh, he's going to kill us. <laughs> so so did you practice that week you had off? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was oh. – I mean, every day. And we were banging. We were like, oh, this is crazy. We don't play anybody this week. Yeah. We don't play anybody this week. But that's that was the mentality. And that's how that's how we got good. Yeah. Practice gets, a, practice gets the defense and practice gets the offense. That's how you get better by practice. And he was a firm believer in that. And Mm -hmm. it it carried on. I mean, because Cower had the core group was was really Chuck Mills guys. Yeah. Yeah. Starting off. mm -hmm. Uh, So I want to get your perspective on this. This is just a question from me. I know that the league is is now going to extend to 17 games next year. So how much... Did you ever, I don't think you played during the 14 game stints. I think that was still in the seventies and they switched over right. from the eighties to the 16 games. Um, so what would you feel if you were a player used to playing 16 games and then you're switching and playing 17, is that a lot tougher to have to deal with that extra week as a player? Yeah, it, it is because think about this. Now you've got an 18 week season with that bye week. Yeah. Plus yeah. you've got the playoffs, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where, okay, 16 games were not enough. And, you know, if you want the playoffs to be better, you know what, add another team like they did this year. They added another team. Yep. And it's one of those things where 
if you play in the, if you're used to playing in the playoffs, then you're used to a longer season. Yeah. But if you're not, then it gets a little, it gets a little harder, especially at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And with Pittsburgh, I played in 13 playoff games. So mm-hmm. I was used to playing a longer season. Yeah. And it made, it made a big difference because it's a total mindset. You've got to get your mind ready for a longer season. And especially, uh, we always um, told each other in December, we've got to be on point. Mm-hmm. So there's no messing around. Let's just get done what we need to get done and win some games. And that's mm-hmm. kind of different. The way that's happened this year was the first Steelers losses of the year were in December. And it seemed like they right. started kind of regressing and taken back in December and not still, like you said, still trying to work out that running game. So it's going to be, you're saying it's going to, probably going to be some tough sledding hitting the playoffs for them if they're trying to make a long run. And it is if they don't get that running game um, yeah. established because um, you, you go into these games and you need to take some time off the clock. Well, yeah. you can't keep throwing the ball because throwing the ball, you know, you're not going to take enough time off the clock. Yeah, incompletion stops. Plus, yeah. you, um, as an offensive lineman, you feel better, mm-hmm. especially when you can dominate a guy in the run. Yeah. And it gives you just that much for the next game. And that's something that they've got to do. And I hope they can get it done. Yeah. And then for you, Blitz also asks us, what were the difference in playing for the Steelers and then playing for the Chargers and Bengals? Um, <laughs> almost night and day. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, when I first came to the league in 88, mm-hmm. um, playing for Coach Noel and playing for Bill Cowher, um, I was there 10 years. And now was I, that was that 88 year? Was that the year that, that you lost the first game, the first two games without scoring a point? You're outscored like, like is that the two blowout ones? And then you came back through in the playoffs and then no, that was 89. That was 89. Okay, okay, great, yeah. great. Yeah. That was great. actually my first year um as a full starter. Yes. So yep. it, it was crazy. I mean, we couldn't score, but but the defense scored for us though. So yeah. you gotta, gotta give props to the defense. <laughs> yeah, it was a great but defense. It, so. But the whole thing. Gee, it's about um, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I was used to um, a culture where everybody knew um, how to come together as a team yeah, and, and do what they needed to do to win. Mm-hmm. I go to San Diego and that culture's not there. I go to Cincinnati, definitely the culture's not there. I remember we won a game in Cincinnati and a guy looked at me and he goes, this is like winning the Super Bowl. I go, no, it's not. <laughs> I said, you have no clue what the Super Bowl is. Oh. And he looked at me and goes, well, how do you know? I said, because I played in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I know. This yeah. is, and this is not it. This oh. is not it. So it's just a culture thing. And you've got um, players who understand um, how to play the game. Yeah. And when to take it up that next level. I mean, because you're going to see the Steelers hopefully take this thing to another level because they have to. Yeah. If you want to win a championship, you've got to take it to another level and hopefully they, they can do that. So you're saying in San Diego, they, I mean, I know San Diego has beautiful weather. They've got, you know, beautiful women. It's a nice town. Lots hey, of- I'll put it to you like this. Uh-huh. If, if, if your team's losing in San Diego uh-huh. and, and you got a choice to go and watch a bunch of guys lose or go to the beach, where are you going, G? Going to the beach. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> so, so it was more like the mind. The mindset over there, kind of, because of the weather was so nice that they treat it more like a job, and it was something you had to do, and then you can go out and do other things after you played football. Or was it just that the team camaraderie and the focus of the team just was different in San Diego than than well, in, I think, in Pittsburgh? I think kind of two things. Um, being in San Diego is a distraction. But I think the, the core guys they had there um, just were not on the same page. Um, we in Pittsburgh, what a lot of people don't know, is we used to have team meetings like after um, today's practice where we sat and we did some fellowshipping. And if, if anybody had a, a problem with anybody, that's where you got it off your chest. It's like, hey, you know what? You're not playing hard enough. And why are you not playing hard enough? What, what's going on? Wow. <laughs> what do I need to help you with to get you where we need to go? Yeah. And those are the things that to me separate good teams from bad teams. And you need those. 
And now I'm just bringing up the last questions uh, from the Steeler Nation uh, um, Facebook page here. So to find our last comments here and give me one second. Here we go. <clears throat> okay. Okay, we have Joseph Jester came up with a question for us. And he says, how can an offense with so many weapons week in and week out look like they have no idea where the red zone is? Um, what does Randy Feekner have to do differently to get these guys, you know, ready to, to play? It goes back to that simple thing. It's a mindset. Yep. <laughs> and their mindset has to be, they need to run the ball. Um, yeah, they're going to pass the ball. Let's be honest. If you, if you don't pass the ball, then you're, you get in bigger trouble. Yeah. But if you do both things, then the game becomes a little more better each time you can do one or the other. And that's what they got to do. They've just got to run the ball. And it's a mindset. And hopefully they can get that thing together this week. We have a question here from Robert Joseph. And I, I, I think he's basically trying to ask, um, do you think Big Ben would be able to come back and play another full season next year? I think if he wants to, and he's healthy enough. I mean, Ben's um, a good athlete, but Ben takes care of his body. Um, not like in his younger days when he's riding motorcycles, but he, he takes care of his body. And he understands that when the older you get, um, there's different things you have to do to make sure your body's um, ready for a season. And I think he'll, he'll do it if he wants to come back. Nice. And... I got a question here from Ryan Stansberry. He wants to know, was Lynn Swan a good teammate? And what was he like as a teammate? Um, we got the wrong ear. No, I, oh, that's I, right. I, the yeah. wrong one, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think you, that's right. You were probably playing, did you, was Stallworth? No, Stallworth was even gone. Lips was probably there when you first started though, right? Lips, Lips was there, yeah. yeah. Um, the only person that from that Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl was Dwayne Richard. Oh, that's right. That's right. And the defense mm -hmm. on, the, on the secondary side. Right. Nice. So the last, looks like the last question that we have, I just saw it here and now it just left me. Oh, because it came. That's right. They asked, uh, what, what's, where is your podcast? What's the name of the podcast? How can we find this offline podcast? Um, you can find the offline podcast on um, Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple, and the, the video is on YouTube. Nice. So just go to offline dot offline offline podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you also have the offline podcast.com? Yes. Great. So Steeler fans go to the offline podcast.com. Check out all of the ways to find it. John, obviously you're so fun to listen to and talk with, and you've got some great, great podcasts. I'm sure for Steeler fans to go back and listen to have John, interviewing the bus have john interviewing kevin green and just enjoy your time listening to his podcasts uh because you've been an absolute pleasure and we really appreciate you being on today with us and thank you for being our short notice co-host since hunter unfortunately couldn't make it today <laughs> oh no problem thanks for having me g i appreciate it oh very much so and and steeler nation make sure to follow them also on twitter at off underscore line pod that is o-f-f underscore l-i-n-e-p-o-d or on instagram at off dot line pod that's o-f-f dot l-i-n-e-p-o-d and much pleasure to you john thank you again hopefully we'll see you soon and hopefully the steelers can figure out how to run the football now <laughs> they will they will thanks for having me g have a great, have a great holiday you. yep see ya and Steeler Nation, visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, on Twitter to be part of their signed merch giveaways done every week at Total Sports ENT. And make sure to go to that their Instagram for that free signed Juju Smith-Schuster jersey, the Color Rush jersey, at Total Sports Enterprises on Instagram. If you have any Christmas money burning a hole in your pocket, check out SteelerNation.com gear page and get geared up for your virtual tailgates like this awesome Champions t-shirt I am wearing right now. Go on over the gear page, the apparel page at SteelerNation.com and get yourself a nice gift here for the end of the year so we can root for the playoffs appropriately. SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steeler content on the internet. 
Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or the forum button for the best football discussion on the web. Subscribe to SteelerNation.com YouTube channel to be the first on these vidcasts and video uploads at www.youtube.com backslash C backslash SteelerNation. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast and Instagram at SteelerNation podcast. And follow me, Striker, on Instagram and Twitter at SN Striker spelled with a Y. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I am your host, G Striker, with John Jackson, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!